really covering the entire book of Hebrews in two sermons. Um, so just remind ourselves what we've seen so far in the book. The, the issue that spurred on this letter was persecution, a massive persecution on some Jewish Christians, people who had followed Christ as Jews, but now because of the persecution, because of what they were losing, how they were being treated, rejected by everyone, that some were considering and maybe some were even turning back to Judaism and they were abandoning Christ and going back to being Jews and in the practice of Judaism. And so that's because of the persecution that led to the writer's concern of these people turning away and leaving Christ. And so what he's going to be doing throughout the book really is to try to get the people to understand, stick with Christ, hang with Christ. Jesus is better. And that's really the reason behind why he's going to say that, that Jesus is better than what they had. Jesus is better in every possible way than Judaism. He's better than, than everything that they've committed their lives to. And, and he spends really the first nine or ten chapters talking about different ways that Jesus is better. In your sermon notes, I've put down all those references in case you weren't able to keep up with them in the speedathon that we had last week, uh, so that you can go back and look at the book in whole and see the different places. Where he, where the writer's pointing out Jesus is greater than the prophets. Uh, Jesus is better than the angels. And we talked about the reverence that the Jews had for angels. That Jesus is better than Moses, starting to hit at the big league hitters of Judaism. Uh, those pillars, Moses, Aaron, and the priesthood, that Jesus is better than the priesthood. And dare we say that Jesus is even better than Father Abraham himself. The writer makes that argument. And so striking at all these, these figures, these historic figures, the pillars of the faith. Well, he moves on to what Jesus does and then continues to point out how what Jesus has done for the people is better than what they had. That Jesus, Jesus establishes a better covenant, that the old covenant was not as good as the new covenant, the one established by Jesus in his blood. That Jesus ministers in a better tabernacle, that the tabernacle here on earth is kind of a shadow cast by the real tabernacle, the one in heaven. And that's where Jesus ministers at, in the real tabernacle, the heavenly one, before God himself. That Jesus gives a better sacrifice. That the sacrifice of bulls and, and goats and doves, they, they temporarily do away with sin. But Jesus once for all destroyed the power of sin. He was the perfect sacrifice and there needed to be no more after him because his sacrifice was so much better. And the truth that we get from Jesus, that, that where the people met Met, G, met God at Sinai when Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments, that Jesus isn't on Sinai. Jesus comes from, from Zion, Mount Zion, the, the, the temple, the mountain of God himself in the spiritual realm. And he comes from this better mountain that you meet him there at this better mountain. It's better than even what happened at Sinai. And so the, the author spends most of the book arguing this, this very elaborate, uh, um, reason that jesus is greater jesus is better and so we pick up with chapter 10 after he spent nine chapters just over and over and over saying how jesus is better jesus is better jesus is better chapter 10 verse 19 starts off with this is where we really gets down to the message that he wants the people to hear he's he's we've seen all this he's laid out his reason and so he starts off with the very important word, the, one of the most important words in Scripture, therefore. 
It's a connection word. It's, it, it's like, because of everything I've said in the first nine chapters, because Jesus is better than all those things I said he's better there for them, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which is inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And don't miss the imagery he, he's gaining on here. To, to Jews, this would be powerful imagery because it's the imagery of the tabernacle, of the holy of holies, the place where only the high priest could go once a year as he made atonement for the people and for the nation. And he's saying, look, we have access, we have confidence to enter the holy place through the blood of Jesus. And he even uses the veil. We're going through the veil, not the veil that separated the holy from holies, but we're going through the veil of his flesh. And so again, pointing out just how much better Jesus is, it's, it's an imagery that is powerful, especially for Jewish people. He's telling the people, you now have access straight to God. You can go and enter his presence because of what Jesus did. Isn't this better that you don't have to just have a high priest do your bidding anymore? So therefore, brethren, since we have this confidence to enter this holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which is inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. Since all this, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us. There's going to be three let us. Let us draw near with a sincere heart, full of assurance and faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Instead of leaving Christ, draw near to Christ. Instead of abandoning God and abandoning the Savior, draw ever closer to Him. Be more Christian than you've ever been. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. What would that confession have been for a first century Christian? It would have been something, the confession would have been something like this. Jesus is Lord. And we've talked over and over how, how saying that in first century Roman occupied Jerusalem could easily be a death sentence. And if you said it in Rome and other places of persecution, you go around saying Jesus is Lord and not Caesar. That confession was a, was a very bold and brave confession. He said, hold fast to that. Don't waver in your confession of the Lordship of the Jesus Christ. Don't back away. Hold fast. To what you said and what you believe without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Compare your faithfulness to the faithfulness of God and let us. This is the third one. Consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so the really three-pronged message of the book of Hebrews, all wrapped up in this verse, is draw near, hold fast, spur others to the same thing. Draw near to God, hold fast your confession, and encourage, stir up, spur on fellow believers to do the same. 
Don't you need one another? You need Christ and you need to hang with it is the message. Jesus is better. So hold fast, draw near and spur on others. The rest of the book, the next couple of chapters of the book, will will lay out just what we need to be able to do that, really. As we finish out the book, what do we need to, to hold fast, to draw near, to, to, to spur on others? That whole idea of hanging with Jesus. What is it that he describes in the rest of the book that we need to do that? That How do we do that? Okay, you've got me inspired. I, I want to hang in there with Jesus. I want to stick to my confession. I want to draw closer to Jesus. Well, how am I going to do that? And so we turn from 10 to chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The first thing you need if you're going to draw near, hold fast and spur on others is faith. He spends an entire chapter talking about faith and the important role of faith in people sticking with it. He tells us three things in, in this passage, in this chapter of faith. First, he tells us, as we saw in that verse, that what faith is. It's the assurance of things unseen, that you believe there is a God. You believe in the supernatural, You believe in things that you can't see and can't prove that there is something beyond this world and this existence as we understand it. And so that's what faith is. Verse six tells us faith is a must that you've got to have it without faith. It's impossible to please him because you have to believe God is and that he rewards those who seek him. You have to have this. This is the foundation of everything. If you don't have faith, you're not going to stick with it. If you don't have faith, there's nothing to draw near to. If you don't have faith, there's nothing to encourage anyone else with. It all starts with faith. And then he shows us through the book of chapter 11 uh, what faith looks like. And you've probably read that chapter before. It mentions, again, he starts to mention the faith of Moses. The faith of Noah, the faith of Abraham and Sarah and the Gideon and, and, and on and on. He goes through this list, this hall of fame list of people who were faithful to God. People who suffered mightily. People who were rejected by their own. Uh, later in that chapter, he says, you know, they were sawn in half. They were beaten. They, they, they were treated, mis, uh, made fun of and treated badly in this world. And he said, and they didn't get the res- what they were the reward right now, but they saw it in the distance and they kept going for this better country. They could have turned back to the country they came from if they had wanted to, but they stayed faithful. They hung with it. They stuck to their faith. They held to their confession. The same thing he's got. And it was rewarded them that God was not ashamed to be their God. And so on one hand, the writer talks about how much Jesus is better than all these people. And then he comes right back to the same people and says, they is what this is what faith looks like. These are some of the most faithful people we knew. Be like them. They didn't turn back on God. Don't you turn back on God at this new revelation, this new covenant and this new understanding of who Jesus is. Be like Moses. Be like Noah. Be like Gideon. Be like Abraham and stick with God to the very end. 
Look beyond your circumstances to the future that's coming and have faith. So that's the foundation he lays. Then we turn to chapter 12. And probably two of the most powerful verses. There's so many powerful verses in the book, but but certainly chapter 12 really kind of starts to get down to to what it is to hold fast, to really turn ourselves. And so let's read the first two verses of chapter 12. Therefore, since we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're going to break these down into some sections here and and kind of pull those away to what it is to to remain faithful, to to hold fast, to draw near and to spur others on, to to be able to live up to this message. First, we we talked about chapter 11, faith. Well, the, the second thing we need if we're going to hold fast is partners. Chapter 12 verse 1 part a (laughs) you see those little numbers sometimes in your things and they take a they take a sentence and they break it down into uh, like phrases and the first phrase is therefore since we have a great cloud of witnessing witnesses surrounding us he's pointing out that they have partnership with all those saints who have gone before what he's trying to get them to realize they talked about all these people and he's encouraging them to be like them and not give up and he's like You're partnering with these guys. They brought the faith this far. It's now your turn to carry it on. They're watching. They're observing what you're doing with the faith that they brought this far. And so he's drawing this partnership with them and the saints who have gone before. He also draws on a partnership with Jesus that we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so we're actually Jesus's partner in this. And finally, we're partners with the saints that are present with others throughout the scriptures throughout this book over and over like in chapter 10 verse 24 where we read that do not forsake the assembling together the gathering together yourselves as is the habit of some but encourage one another in chapter 12 verses 12 and 13 it says therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight the paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed it's a it's a phrase where he's giving the people instruction to look to those who are weaker look to those who are struggling with their faith fix make their hands strong strengthen the hands of the weak and the knees of the feeble it's instructions for the church to to be partners with one another that that realizing standing alone against the onslaught of the world is a difficult thing and and god gave us one another and we need one another we have partners with those who have gone before and we have partners with those who we currently serve so encourage be together strengthen one another If you're going to stick with it, you must have a community to stand with. The second, the third thing we need to hold fast is repentance. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, part B. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. He's like, if you're going to hold fast to this, if you're going to stick with it, you're going to have to clean your house. 
You're going to have to, this is a race and this is, he's using the image of a marathon, not a sprint. And that, that these sins and these things that we hold on to, they have to be gotten out of our way so that we can keep running so that we don't get tangled up and tripped up. And so we're partners with others, but we also need repentance in our lives. Repentance is something we all agree with, something that we probably long for. And something we can find most other people need. What he's encouraging, but notice the the uh, the pronoun in that thing. Let us lay aside every aside every encumbrance and the sins so, which so easily entangles us. It's a it's talking to believers. He's talking to church folks and say, church folks, you need to look at yourself. You need to clean your own house. You need to have repentance in your own life and focus on your own and not that of others. I think I've told this story before. Um, I was at a church at an associational gathering one time. It was an association in the association we served in that time. There was 36 churches in the association. And so annually we'd have an associational meeting with all the pastors and people and we would vote on what we were going to do as an association Someone brought um, to the floor a recommendation. They wanted us to make a public statement against uh, video gaming uh, parlors that had uh, recently started to pop up in our community uh, where you could go online and, and, and bet and, and, and do all kind of uh, legal gambling at that time. And this guy, the, the church that had made the recommendation, they telling us how they had been driving around these places at night and how they are open to two and three and four in the morning and there's all kind of seedy characters around these establishments and obviously all kind of seedy things going on. And, and we wanted to, to just kind of let the community know that we as the churches stood against this and we wanted to put out some kind of statement that we're, we're just not for this. We're against this kind of thing and, and that, you know, these sinners, well, they shouldn't all be out there sinning like that. And so we wanted to make a, a public statement that we were against sinners, which I th- think most people probably knew that already, but we were going to make it public. What I found the problem with that being is that's us telling all those people who are blinded and slaves to sinnery, sin to stop doing that. And there's certainly a place, as I've said, where we have to stand for righteousness We have to be that salt and we have to stand against those things in our life. What I wanted to make a statement against was how the county was now having T-ball on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. And that most of my kids who should have been in my church on Sunday morning and their families were out at the ball field playing ball. That one didn't gather much too, too much attention because that would have been addressing the sin in our own house. And not in the sin in somebody else's house. And so what my point is, is that we need to make sure that we're always doing the us part of that passage. That we're getting rid of our sin that so entangles us. And pray. Stand for what's right. Stand for the truth. And pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to bring others to, so, to get rid and repent of the sin that so entangles them too. The third thing we need, or the fourth thing, I'm sorry, that we need to hold fast. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, part C. Endurance. 
There we go. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Don't give up. Hang in there. Endurance. He's given us a list of those who endured. He's now going to turn our attention to the ultimate sign of endurance. uh, That he's, don't give up in this race. Keep running the race that is set before you. And so he goes on to the final thing that we need. Inspiration. You know, when you you think about trying to to do something, um, for me, you guys are well aware that, you know, being healthier, uh, losing weight is something I struggled with uh, since I was a kid. Um, I was just reminiscing about how I used to go. I loved buying clothes with my mom because the first thing she, any store we went into, do y'all have a husky section? Good old husky pants. Uh, and so that's been something. And so you think about, it's the same kind of imagery though. When you try to do something significant, when you try to better yourself, when you're trying to hang in there, you know, you need to one, believe it's possible. Two, it's always good if you've got somebody else to do it with you, right? You have to uh, look at what's holding you back. You know, you've got to give up the Twinkies. You've got to give up the, for me, the whatchamacallit bars, my favorite candy bar. Just in case you wanted to know, you got to stick with it. You can't give up, especially when it gets hard. And then what do all these weight loss programs do now? They're putting out testimonials. They're putting out inspirational things. Look at so-and-so. Look at what they did. You know, they used to be 470 pounds and they're now down to 120. You know, they, they tell you these stories over and over. Why? So you'll be inspired to stick with it. And the writer's doing the same thing. The writer of Hebrews talking about a faith issue has done the same thing. He's like, you got to believe that this can happen. You got to have partners to help you. You got to get rid of the stuff that's going to stop you. You've got to stick with it when it gets tough. And now let me tell you an inspirational story. Chapter verse two, fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the best there is, the author and perfecter of your faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Now you make that comparison. This is, this is the inspirational guy. This is the guy you're following who went to the cross. Have you gone to the cross yet? No. You haven't, he'll, he'll go on and say, you haven't even shed blood in, in the repentance of sin yet. And so he's pointing us to this inspirational. Look how Jesus endured to the end. He considered it joy to suffer for his Lord despising the shame and what has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now compare the image of what he's telling us to do. You're in a race. Don't stop running. Look to Jesus. Who's done what sat down. He's completed his race. So don't stop till you can sit at the feet of Jesus. Don't give up. Keep running your race. Look at Jesus. It can be done. He's there to help you. He's who you serve. He's completed his task. Don't quit till you get there. But there is an end in sight. There is a time coming when you too can sit down. And so he's telling us to look to Jesus. The last chapter of the book, from this point on, he, he kind of tidies up some of these ideas There's a number of places where he gives a warning. He's like, 
If you've gone, if you've heard this about the better Jesus, if you've gotten this from the better Sinai, if those who rejected the prophets of old were punished and held accountable for what they've done, how can you, if you've heard from Jesus himself, if you've heard from the very Son of God, if they were punished when they rejected the prophets, what do you think is going to happen to you if you reject the Son of God? And so over and over he gives these warnings about this message that he's given. So hold fast. It's that warning, don't give up because there is sure judgment if you do. And then he tidies up the last chapter of some very specific do's and don'ts within that church, how to care for one another and how to love each other. But the overarching message of Hebrews, and as I look at the world around us, as I see what's going on in other denominations as I've mentioned, and as I worry or not worry, as I contemplate the future that might befall us, as the world now sets targets on different denominations and different people, we may find ourselves having to encourage one another. The very words that Hebrews said, Hold fast. Jesus is better. We have one another. So let us draw near, ever nearer to God. Let us hold fast the confession that we have. The Bible is the word of God. And let us spur on each other and one another and others to love and good deeds as that day draws near.